0: Hey, it's Nathan Thomas from Commonplace, and this is not an episode of Commonplace. I'm on vacation this week, so I wanted to take the week off and just not have to worry about the podcast. So instead, I'm digging into my archives. This is an interview I recorded for Marshall University's college radio station back in January of 2016 with Julian Baker. Right now, it only exists on a SoundCloud account that I no longer have access to, but I'm proud of it and I want it to have a place to live elsewhere, so I'm sharing it here. Julian Baker's career has blown up since we recorded this interview between her work with Boy Genius and her own incredible solo albums, but this interview was recorded before all of that, just two months after the release of her debut solo album, Sprained Ankle. So here is from 2016 julian baker okay so nathan thomas with wmul on the phone with me is julian baker her first album her first solo album Least sprained ankle came out this past october on 6131 records and also is the number one album on the wmul charts this week as reported to cmj julian how are you
1: I'm doing really well, and uh, did not know that piece of information, so that's pretty cool. Huh.
0: Yeah, it's the only times I've had actually been able to tell someone, oh, hey, you're the number one, other than like Twitter, is with locals, so it's interesting to hear how people respond to that sort of thing.
1: Wow, it's incredibly flattering. Goodness, I did not know, but I'm pleased to know.
0: Yeah, so you just got off tour, or at least just wrapped things up. How was that experience?
1: Tour? Yeah. Uh, in general? Oh, my goodness. It was—so this is the first tour that someone else has booked, that we've booked through an agency, formally, I suppose. And so it was It was much different. It was a lot more formal. Uh, the rooms were different, Um and since it wasn't just local promoters and, like, DIY promoters, it was, like, more people at the shows. Um, and so it was a lot more pressure, but also uh, the the cool things I got to do, the, the experiences, the opportunities I had are positive things that balance out the... I don't want to say negative, but, like, the, the pressure, anxiety that I feel, like, playing bigger rooms. Um, I got to play Lincoln Hall with Torres, and that's, like, one of my musical heroes is Torres. Uh, and so I was just so honored to play that. I got to play with Eskimo in New York. It was, it was absolutely incredible, and I was, just felt so lucky. Yeah, Eskimo. I love as a job, you know.
0: Yeah, Eskimo is one of my other favorites going on right now. They're so great.
1: So good. They're so good, and such sweet people.
0: Yeah. Like, all the interviews and everything I've read with Gabby, she seems like one of the nicest people.
1: Yeah, and then like they're, uh so her band is like part of a group of musicians that all overlap.
0: In, yeah, the Antioch. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Flores and like Told Slant and Bellows and
0: Small Wonder.
1: Yeah, yeah, Small Wonder, oh my gosh, I remember when I first heard of Small Wonder, that changed my world, but...
0: um, I have to admit, I hadn't really heard of any of his songs until a few weeks ago, but then, like, the entire night was just spent listening to, like...
1: Listening to it.
0: ...clearly again on repeat, and then finding, like, the live videos and realizing that he's, like, a lefty and it seems like he doesn't flip his strings.
1: Yeah, that's crazy.
0: That was, like, I've never seen, like, anyone try that, so it was interesting to see it. Yeah. But uh, on this tour, were you d- juggling, like, uh, Mill Tennessee State classes and that sort of thing?
1: Well, yeah, so it wasn't, like, last semester where I was only able to travel on weekends, and so I was, like, flying to all the shows. I'm I'm in an online course right now, so... I was like I would read the textbook in the car and then we would get to the venue and I would frantically try to connect to the Wi Fi and get my computer to work so I could turn in discussion questions. Um, so it it got a little stressful one or two days when I was like, Oh the computer's not working But um it's it's a lot easier to do and tour full time so I'm grateful I worked that out.
0: Yeah, it definitely seems like it would be something that's stressful and even if you're on a campus setting, the Wi-Fi might not be the best. I know. Usually, the Wi-Fi it isn't is like the here. Number
1: one issue of students, like, not even studying or the material. Like the number one complaint of students is the Wi-Fi. I feel like.
0: Like I have to get into a mood where it's like, okay, I'm ready to do homework. I'm, I've got nothing else on my plate. But then, I go to do it, and that's when the Wi-Fi decides it doesn't work. So I've wasted all that time.
1: Yeah, of course, it totally
0: would be. But I have to admit that our school, uh, Marshall University, compared to yours, I'm not sure if they're technically rivals, but, like, in athletics, they play in the same conference.
1: Oh, they do?
0: Yeah, uh, you guys actually— I
1: have no idea. I don't keep up with our sports at all.
0: I only keep up with it because— as, like, a station, we do a lot of sports stuff.
1: Oh, that makes sense.
0: I don't really, but a lot of other staff members do. We had a crew down there in Murfreesboro uh, for the uh, football game we played with them. It was uh, on their turf, we were the away. And that was, like, a double overtime loss or something for us. Dang. So I just imagine it was, like, the most heartbreaking ride back.
1: Oh, no. But at least, you know, you tried. If you wanted to double overtime, like, you really gave everything you could.
0: Yeah, and at least uh, this past Thursday, I believe, we won in basketball, so...
1: There you go. What
0: goes around comes around. Uh, But when you weren't in Murfreesboro or touring, you grew up in Memphis, right? What was the kind of music scene there? How did you first get into it?
1: Um... So I started going to shows, like, at the skate park of Memphis. It's closed now, but they had a whole bunch of punk, emo, hardcore alternative shows there. Um, and I would go, like, every weekend. I think the first show I saw there was Under Oath, and it was on the their only Chasing Safety tour. It was forever ago. And then I would go see, you know, all my favorite bands. And um, it was a really... So I started going there and then Smith Seven, the kind of DIY promoting, um, all ages organization that puts on a lot of shows in the area, they booked at the skate park. And so I started going to house shows, going to see local bands instead of just national bands and figuring out that like, Oh, there's other musicians you can jam with. And at the same time I was meeting people through church and through school and, uh, like I would play coffee shop shows or I would just fill in and jam with my friends. And then things started to really congeal in high school. And I would spend every single weekend, either at this church basement venue called the Abbey or at a Smith seven show. But, um, yeah. So the Memphis scene, I feel like gets kind of collapsed into the the past, like sun studios and, uh, you know, old soul and R and B and, uh, early country and that's awesome and I love that heritage of Memphis because it's really influential still in the scene but the independent artists that are doing it in the the local scene like I mean we've got some of my favorite screamo bands in the entire US are from Memphis like Grayscale you know and it's cross genres like support each other a lot you know it's not as a uh, it doesn't feel like a team like you're on this hardcore team or whatever everybody's just in the same local pot and working together to foment musical projects and I like that a lot it feels like family um but I'm partial because I'm from there and I rep Memphis really hard so
0: that's kind of how I feel about uh, Huntington the tower town we're in and then Charleston which is the capital which is like an hour away from here. It's not on really any national music scene radar, so you really have to fight from the ground up for things. So That's
1: awesome, though. I feel like that makes it more rewarding.
0: It feels like that, uh, at least in my work uh, with the music stuff here. Um, and it is that kind of whole family aspect. We're all trying to build it so we can all kind of reap the awards eventually. and. There you go. And it's starting to become... that's what
1: music is about,
0: anyway. Yeah, it's definitely uh, more rewarding in a sense. Yeah. The uh, local paper here, at the end of last year, they were like, Hey, you're the music director. Write a column, basically, of your five favorite releases of the year. So I did, and I included Sprained Ankle. And what I said was... What I said was it sung like a college student away from home for the first time, reflecting on where she's at in her life in the dorm room. And that was before I read other things about you, and it that's seems like that... That's
1: insightful, because that's, like, you described the actual writing process. So, wow.
0: So, it, it was, like, a, a dorm room album, in a sense. Tell me
1: about that. Well, yeah, so... It was just me away from home. When I came to MTSU, I came for the program and the audio program, and then I ended up transferring out of that because, you know, lives change. And I think it's kind of arbitrary to declare one major and, like, align yourself forever and say, this is all I can ever study and all I want to learn about. And you should feel at liberty to, like, study just what you care about. And Especially in, anyway. like, your
0: first semesters there. it's
1: Yeah. There, there's... So I came and I had zero friends, um, and I ended up making friends slowly but surely, but um, I spent a lot of time just writing and dealing with being alone, being uh, kind of supplanted from Memphis to this entirely new area um, where I had to like build a new support system. And uh, But I was paired with a random do- uh, dorm mate, so I didn't hang out in the dorm dorm too much i would like go to the practice rooms and write alone and like at weird hours of the night because in the music building um they have all these pianos and like a closet so i would knock on the door and get the custodian to like let me in (laughs) because my key card wouldn't open it after midnight and i would stay there until like two or three in the morning and write and go with my friends that were in the songwriting program and we would get uh rooms next all next to each other and practice or ride it was really cool
0: seems like uh, a, a good place to kind of try new things yeah. then musically
1: yeah
0: so uh one thing i've noticed in videos of a uh, recent tour and i'm not sure if this was a conscious decision or not or might have just been using what you had and i'm not sure how to word this because i think it might seem like a a strange question in a sense but was there a decision where you were like okay I'm going to play standing up versus like I'm gonna have a stool on stage since it's just me
1: well it seems okay so I've always thought it seems like I like to move around when I play even though the Playing as Julian Baker is different than Forrester. Like, when I play with Forrester, I'm jumping up and down and, like, punching my guitar and stuff. And so I'm a lot more static, but I like to stand up because I do move around. And I feel like I get restless just sitting down playing. Um, Like, when I practice at home, I stand at my pedals mostly. But that's another thing is it's just practical because I do a lot of, um, I guess you'd call it pedal dancing. I'm, like, kicking on loops and, like, modulating things and turning stuff off and on. So I just stand because it's easier. Um, Yep. I just prefer it, I think.
0: That's, um, the reason I asked was I saw a couple guys a couple weeks ago in a coffee shop-type setting, and they had that conversation on whether they were going to do that type of coffee shop, singer songwriter sit-down thing Or stand up, and then they both ended up standing up just because it felt like they were more open somehow that way.
1: I think it gives you just more mobility, you know, literally, and opens you up in a figurative
0: sense. Uh, It's interesting that you mentioned, like, how you are on stage with Forrester compared to Solo, because musically that is... You know, they're both different, so it makes sense that there's different, quote-unquote, use.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're the same me, but uh, different manifestations, I guess, you know? I get to scream and point and—or not point, but, you know, kind of freak out a little bit in Forrester. I like that. Uh, and I get to do aggressive stuff. Uh, you know, some of the songs have aggressive vocal parts. It was cool. One of my favorite parts of tour was when we played Boston and someone was doing like the pop punk, uh, point from the crowd singing along to, uh, I think it was everybody does. And I was like, yes, that feels like, uh, like a punky house show, you know, <laughs> that made me feel really comfortable. It wasn't, um, as formal as, cause the, the crowd is like usually kind of quiet, um, and so I was happy about that guy being gung ho about singing along. It was cool.
0: How were the crowds on this past tour? Was a lot of people who were like, "Yeah, I'm, I know what this is going into it," or was it some people just finding yeah. it on a whim?
1: Interestingly enough, like, so I am used to people coming out to support locals and people coming out just because they want to see a show. General, generally, um, or there being a big walk up or something. So um, the fact that there were, say, like I didn't believe I was like couldn't believe that Rough Trade sold out, which was in New York. It's like, oh my God! Like people care in advance. <laughs> uh, I didn't know people would care in advance. Um, but what was interesting was the crowds were qu- so quiet, <laughs> like eerily quiet. And I I know it was they were so respectful and attentive. Um, you know, because when you're a musician you play tons of places like big places small places and every musician i feel like has had the experience if they've played live of a rowdy bar or a house show that's a party and it's really loud and um on some level uh that's not a bad thing. You know, it's like the crowd is energetic and uh, there's like a buzz to the audience. And then once you start playing, they pay attention. But like the crowd, I would finish a song and it would be so quiet. I'd be like, thank you. <laughs> you guys are really sweet for listening so attentively." But uh it's a little intimidating, but good, I think. I think.
0: And so you just wrapped up this tour. A uh, little bit of a break? Or are you uh, going out on another trek soon?
1: Um, well, I have a little bit of a break, and then as, at the end of February, we're going to the West Coast, and then I come back for a little while, and uh, I think we may be... I'm doing a few festivals, I've confirmed, and we might book some dates in between there, but I'm going to Europe for a month in the summer.
0: That's exciting. Have you ever been out of the country?
1: I've never been out of the country, That's so neat. I always wanted to study abroad, and I couldn't like afford the time or money. So now it's so cool to be able to, like, do music abroad. Like That's such a blessing, you know? Like, I'm excited.
0: Yeah, that's uh, I've never been myself, and that's kind of the same feeling I have towards it. Uh, and it's interesting seeing kind of smaller bands or people just growing, getting to experience that for the first time.
1: Oh, yeah. It's, it's wonderful.
0: Uh, I know one thing I read that was interesting to me was that with still taking the online classes you said if music doesn't work out I'll still get to perform and that's something that in a way I never really noticed until I actually had my first class in college which it had this professor who was loud but also kind of energetic and organized and you could tell that okay like a performer he's tried this stuff he's thrown out what doesn't work and this is what is grabbing people
1: yeah and i mean so especially with something like that like in the teaching profession it's about your quote-unquote audience student success is what's important it's not important that i say all the things that julian baker wants to say it's like it's important that they learn, that they have a good experience, that they walk away with something valuable intellectually that they didn't have before. And so being a teacher I feel like also the same as with songs, I feel like the performance is generally better and you establish a relationship and a connection when you're passionate about the material. If I were teaching, you know, algebra, I'm not passionate about algebra. <laughs> Some people are, but I'm not. Um being an English teacher I think would be great because I could really get excited about the material uh, the same way I don't think I would perform a song that I wasn't passionate about or I didn't stand behind because it would feel disingenuous you know um so I think you know it's an, it's there's a lot of overlap yes you're right
0: and that's something that I've talked about with like local comedians here where they'll kind of do the same thing to establish that connection.
1: Right, right. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, in all performing arts, you know, what have you, theater, acting, I think they share that quality of um, being audience-minded, you know.
0: So the touring you mentioned, uh, have you thought about what's next musically, whether it be Doing another solo album or Forrester or whatnot. not?
1: Um, right now I think I'm just touring in support of the record heavily and waiting to figure all that stuff out until um, I have a little bit of a breather. You know?
0: It definitely <laughs> makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. So is there uh, anything else you want to mention or say?
1: No. I think you you pretty much covered it. You did a good job.
0: Thank you. That's. I appreciate that. And that is Julian Baker. Her album, Sprained Ankle, is out now. Thanks for taking this trip into the archives with me. There will be a new episode of Commonplace in two weeks. I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening.